Super Talk Mississippi media production. Celebrating the people who make coastal Mississippi a great place to live, work, and play. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by the South Mississippi Boat Show, Friday, April 29th through Sunday, May 1st. And by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. Hey, listen, um, you may have noticed yesterday I ended the show slightly different, and uh, I think I may do that on a more regular basis, but essentially saying that, you know, I hope you go out and take a minute to enjoy the Coast View, and uh, and while you're in that moment, find a place in your heart and soul to dream bigger, because this show's really about dreaming bigger, about sharing success stories that, that you can use in your personal life, but also showing us how when we dream bigger for Coastal Mississippi, how important that is, and the more leaders we engage around that, I think the the, the better off we're going to be in the long run. But at the at the core of Coastview is having having conversations with those people who have really dedicated their lives to helping this be a better place to to live, work, and play. Our guest here in just a second is one of those people. And we'll come to that in a second. But it's been a hell of a journey over the over the last couple of years. Uh, I want to share a quote uh, from Sidney Poitier. He said this, I always wanted to be someone better the next day than I was the day before. I think, you know, I think that's a good one for us all to sort of aspire to in our own lives. And certainly for those of us who hope the best for Coastal Mississippi, it applies there as well. And here's one that my guest will really relate to because I do as a news guy. Susan Myers Griggs, we used to work together at the Sun Herald. She's just a good person. And she, uh, she, she posted this. I can't tell you how many words I've swallowed in the name of keeping the peace. I've got a whole damn library inside my stomach. <laughs> I just thought that was that was perfect. Uh, I want to I want to welcome my friend Brad Cassie, uh, who, Cassie, who is the news director at WLOX, and they're they're fresh off of I might say too, uh, Mississippi Association of Broadcasters. They swept the they became they're obviously Station of the Year and lots of other categories. They're, they're about to celebrate their 60th anniversary uh, coming up in this fall. So I'm really looking forward to, to chatting with Brad. But, Brad, how are you doing, my friend? Ricky, I am really well, and I'm thinking about dreaming big right now. And I immediately think back to 1992 when South Mississippi was struggling. I didn't know where we were going to go. And honestly, as a guy who's from Chicago, uh, should only be here about three, four years. Uh, But dreaming big in 92, and look where we are 30 years later. It's incredible. It's incredible how much how much transformation there's been in that in that period of time. So many challenges along the way. Absolutely. We'll certainly talk about that. I saw you sort of chuckle a little bit when I read that about I've got a whole damn library inside my stomach. But you know what it's like to have to swallow some words, don't you? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, in the in the world that I'm in now of management, you got to swallow a lot more words than you did as a reporter. Uh, yeah. It's. Keeping the peace is such an important variable. I think I think we are a better community uh, because there are people who want peace, want us to be better. Uh, I think back to right before uh, COVID, uh, when there were all the protests around the country, and, and here in South Mississippi, what did we have we we had rallies that that brought people together uh, and celebrated unity. Uh, you didn't see that in other parts of the country, but you saw that here, and that is just a microcosm of what South Mississippi is. It is, and you you look look as a as a longtime reporter. 
people know you well, and then as a news director, you get a you get a you get a different view on this. But it really comes down to the same thing, and I talk about it here on the show all the time. When you think about this notion of resiliency, it's about what is in someone's heart and soul, and it's this ability, no matter how difficult things get, to bounce back. And we're a resilient community. We've been tested over and over again. It's not just hurricanes, but oil spills and algae blooms and the pandemic. In some ways, we sort of have a leg up on some other communities because, you know, I wouldn't wish what we have been through on anyone. But the fact that we've been there and we know what it's like to sort of when the, when the going gets tough to tough, get going, to reach out to our neighbors and care about them, to not worry about politics in those moments, to, to come together. We're in a special place when it comes to the people here, aren't we, Brad? Yeah, when, you, when you're in the midst of it, you're obviously thinking, you know, when is this going to end? But when you take that moment uh, to look back at, at, at what you accomplished, there, there's such a great sense of pride, not just for the media, but the entire community. I mean, what we have been through um, 60 years, if you want to go back to the beginning of LOX, uh, 30 years, if you want to go back to the start of the casino industry, if you want to go back to Camille in 69 or, or Katrina in 05, um, I take, I never thought I would say I was so glad to go through Katrina, uh, because it, but I am, because it changed me as a person, it changed me as a reporter, uh, and it set me on the path that, that I'm following today, both on a professional level and, and a personal level on some of the organizations that, that I'm working with today. Uh, and, and that sense of pride I see every day, whether I'm in the grocery store, getting gas, uh, or just walking through the communities that I walk through uh, to get a little exercise in. Yeah. Well, you know, I, in my conversation with Haley Barber, he said that, um, you know, God chose us and with Katrina's. I mean, the fact that we can't, you know, it is what it is. It, it hit us. Yep. And so in the aftermath of that, what did we do to grow? What did we do to learn from it and contribute back. And, you know, I'm amazed. I, there were some people that you would have expected to step up who didn't. You know, they were overwhelmed by the moment. And others that you would have never expected to step up, they did in extraordinary ways. And what I learned about that is that we go through our lives too fast, Brad, and we, we underestimate some and we overestimate others and we don't spend enough time to understand the essence of who people really are. That's one of the biggest things I got out of the storm. Not not the least of which is the importance of leadership and rebuilding and all of that. But what we saw in each other and how we moved too fast before the storm and how we better take our time to get to know each other a little bit better after the storm. Did you have the same revelation? I did, but then there was the, the spin to it, and I'll, and I'll mention that in a second. But when, when the fences were down and, and neighbors had to be neighbors and, and you were having coffee uh, with somebody who lived right across from you who you didn't know before because you didn't have power and everybody was sitting outside. Uh, that camaraderie uh, just helped encapsulate what we were going through. Uh, the sad part is, and this is what I, I mentioned a second ago, is eventually the fences went back up. And occasionally yeah. those those neighbors who you got to know on a personal level for three or four or five weeks suddenly became, oh, they're just neighbors again. And, and, and those relationships uh, disappeared a little bit. I kind of wish the fences were down again. Uh, yeah, you know, that's part of that's part of the condition of America where we're 
working hard, man. We leave in the morning. We go do our thing. We come back at the end of the day. We got a family to take care of. We got all these things that are we want. We want our quiet time. Uh, you know, someone said to me at the beginning of the pandemic that that was sort of the kind of impact the pandemic had. That people felt a little bit safer outside. People were out working in their yards a little bit more because they were stuck at home, and they also had this relationship with their neighbors they didn't have before. People were kind of looking after each other. Um, but there is something you know. I, I, I had an opportunity. This this guy named Robert J. Danzig, who was the who was the uh, chairman of the board for Hearst Corporation, spoke at a, a program I went to at Northwestern University. And uh, he said that there's a powerful lubrication to change that comes from pain, that when you feel pain, that it, it, it real push you hard to change. So any division there might have been by, you know, before Katrina, uh, essentially was obliterated. And now with the pain that we all felt, it was all, we were all focused on one thing. How do we get back again? And you can relate to that, can't you? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and, and look at how far we've come and, and how we have gotten back and you just drive to different pockets and, and in the last two years especially as you see home construction along highway 90 just exploding trying to bring back that last piece uh that got obliterated back in 05 uh you know some of the houses uh, i'm not sure they're a little too high they're a little too much on stilts there are a couple homes right now that i'm wondering if they're going to survive uh but it's just so nice to see that people are investing in our community again on all walks of life. And um, I'm excited about about the future of this area. Yeah, I, I am too, man. When I talk to mayors all up and down the coast, and we, I often say on my show that we're in a lucky place now that we have a string of mayors who have gone on to do things in their lives and their careers. And now as mayors, they're giving back. Yeah, it's sort of like I think about George Slogan and what he did, yep. and even Billy Hughes. For you know the extent that he was in politics for so long, he's got successful businesses that he's involved in, and you know a lot of these guys don't have to be mayor. That's <laughs> just the reality of it, and they chose to be mayor, and it makes it you, you don't take yourself so seriously when you're in a situation like this. And then in the midst of the pandemic, we've seen in some cases a recalibration of capital expenditures by companies, and now they're you're starting start to see more money coming in the coast of Mississippi. I mean, downtown Pascagoula is on fire. Ocean Springs is doing amazingly well. Bay St. Louis is on fire. Look what's happening in Gulfport. Biloxi, I don't even think there's any available land in Biloxi downtown now. So uh-huh. it's truly amazing. Hey, listen, uh, we're coming to the end of this segment. When we come back, I want to sort of talk about the changing chapters of WLOX. These days, if you go to the station, a lot of young reporters, they're doing a good job, as was represented recently by all the awards that they were able to to get. It takes a lot of hard work to to get to that level of excellence. We'll talk a little bit more about that with Brad Cassie when we come back. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back uh, to Coast View. I have Brad Cassie, who's the news director at WLOX and someone I've known for an awful long time. You know, it's interesting. When I think about my relationship with WLOX, it was one where there was always very significant competition between our two newsrooms. I mean, it was, and then of course on the advertising side, we were we were working hard to still share from one another. Uh-huh. But it was interesting. We always had this emergency publication agreement that we would help each other out when difficult times happened, and uh, you know we did other partnering along the way. So it's interesting. We it was like this, is dichotomy. On one side, we competed dramatically. And on the other, which made us both better, incidentally. And on the other side, we helped each other. I remember going over after Hurricane Katrina, and, and your, your, uh, you know, your roof had had damage, and you really needed to get it patched. And I, I started making phone calls to Roy Anderson and others to try to figure out how we could get that help you guys get back up. You know, when uh, on elections, on you know, just storm coverage in general, we just worked together. But I always had infinite respect for WLOX and the role that they played in the community. Um, you know, you know, times have changed. Sun Herald is just a, fortunately a skeleton of itself because of the dig- digital tsunami that has overcome most news organizations around the country. But de- you know, local news organizations have been able to mostly hold their own. But to say that there's been no changes is is wrong because the relationship that you guys have with uh, with the networks are different, and there's just been a lot of change, hasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's start with the with the uh, friendship, if you will, between LOX and, and the Sun Herald. I, I have said since the day I got here, the competition was great. It made me a better reporter. Uh, the Louise Taylors of the world that, that you had uh, forced me to, to dig deeper. Uh, but I always thought that we should be partners in that television, in essence, unless we're doing something that's really investigative, gives you the headlines. That, that, that's all we have time for and put quotes around yeah. time. Uh, if you want to know the full story, we give you the headlines, then you can go pick up the newspaper, read the newspaper, read the story two, three, four times to be able to digest uh, what that particular topic is that day. I think we forgot that along the way because of the competition. Uh, but you're right. I, I think back in 05, you, you helped us make phone calls about the roof. Uh, we had portalettes. And, uh, <laughs> and you guys were coming over because we had portalettes uh, that you could use for the first couple of days. So, yeah, I mean, we may be in Biloxi and, and the Sun Herald was in Gulfport, but DeBee's Road was the, was the divider. Um, it was it was a fun competition, especially for me because I was hungry. I wanted to be the lead story every day, and I wanted to I wanted to beat uh, Pat Peters. Uh, Patrick Peterson and I wanted to be I just wanted to beat them all uh, and yeah. times they beat me uh, the business has changed uh, from where it was to where we are today uh, I worry a little bit uh, because the the network um, slant uh, impacts how people perceive us and and they shouldn't we are your voice. We're here to protect and, and to cover news that relates to you, uh, the local viewer. Uh, we don't slant as much as people like to think we do slant. Um, and, and, and that's hard. Uh, th- that phrase, fake news, uh, has hurt uh, some of the people who work here. 
because it, it gets thrown at them and it's not fair and it's not true. Yeah, I think, Brad, I think what's happened is that we, you and I have seen this happen for a long time. I think more people are aware of it today because it's become sort of the topic of the moment. But the moment that cable news became a 24-hour cycle, then what we saw was that cable news needed to fill that time. So they, you know, they didn't do it always with news. Uh, CNN made a dramatic, a dramatic change from being sort of this 24-hour news operation to being just filled with lots of opinion that was it tended to be left-leaning. And then, you know, then you had Foxy and the same kind of thing that was happening there, but more right-leaning. And then, you know, more cable news operations came around. And so that, that's been building for quite a long time. But then I think the, the situation as it relates to, to social media, and I, I think it's a real problem, actually, that they've got Section 230 protection, which means the content that they present to us, they don't have to own it. And, you know, look, I had to own everything, every newspaper I, I was ever responsible for, and, and uh, internet site I was responsible for. I had to own it legally, and you had to own it legally. Yep. It's not only an unfair advantage, but it, it enables incredible misinformation to get shared. And that, I think, has take the, taken the cable news situation and exacerbated it to a level that we never, never in our wildest imagination could have thought we would be at this moment. No, you're right. Uh, and the the hardest part is that that, you know, local media has to be part of that social structure because if you're not you're, you're not reaching a particular audience and so the messaging while you know we do a, a very good job sun herald does a really good job of, of of getting the right message out there it gets lost in the mix uh in those social channels and and before you know it doesn't matter what we put out there there you know you, you'll be accused of race baiting you'll be accused of of things that that have nothing to do with what you're trying to communicate uh, to the viewer and it's it, it makes our business that much more difficult and it's probably why uh, you see such young faces at least at, at, at WLOX because they're the older generation don't want to be part of it anymore uh, yeah yeah, my friend Alberto Ibarguen, who's the president and CEO of the Knight Foundation, the former publisher of the El Nuevo Herald and the Miami Herald, we, we're good friends. He's been on the show a couple of times. We talk regularly. But, you know, one of the things he said, and I think he's right about this, that there's so much noise on the national level, it's almost impossible to cut through it. You know, the Knight Foundation is not trying to compete with that. Where, th where their focus has been, has been local. How do we how do we make sure? Because you know, you, you know, certainly democracy happens on the national level, but but significant democracy happens on the local level. And he's always believed that a, that an accurately and reliably informed citizenry is is literally critical to democracy, particularly on a local level. He thinks that their investments, their hundreds of millions of dollars of investments in local journalism, is uh, can make a difference and will help us sort of eventually overcome this. But it's hard. I mean. Because what happens is, as you pointed out, the national noise around misinformation and fake news and all these things that are sort of common knowledge to most people today, it gets projected locally. And sometimes it's almost impossible to cut through that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the investment that, that Gray Media uh, has made in now 113 stations where the 
second largest media company, broadcast media company in the country. Uh, right as the pandemic started, uh, they they sent out, at that time we were 90 stations, we hadn't bought Meredith yet. Um, they, they sent out equipment for digital desks to all 90 television stations. So there was nobody here, but we were setting up these digital desks and and they created, in essence, a 24 um, seven digital empire that's based out of um, Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, they're doing news 24 hours a day. It's on our website. Uh, we take over when we have live newscasts. If, if we have a news conference we're gonna cover, uh, we do that. It's, it's their version of headline news, if you will. Yeah. Um, but it gives you real news from real reporters. It happens to be from around the country, uh, but it's it's local. It's it's concentrated not just on local here, but local around the country. And, and I think it's it's news that you can trust because it's it's coming from journalists who who are working in every market in our country. Uh, it's where our business is going. Uh, yeah, you know this. They they said by now, which is actually about five years ago, that fifty percent of the uh, revenue would come from digital. They still haven't hit that number. Uh, yeah, they're, we're inching that way, uh, but for us, television is still king. I don't know how much longer it's going to be that way, though, Ricky. And that's that's yeah. as an old school television guy, that's what worries me a little bit. Well, look, I've watched the evolution. I've watched the the change in ownership at WLOX. And, you know, I had, when I was in Alabama, president of the Alabama Media Group, I got to know the retirement system of Alabama really well and the leader there, very visionary man. But I think the gray media transition is a good one. And I've, I've, I've watched it closely. I like, they've done a lot of what we were doing in my previous companies where if you've, you know, for example, the Washington Bureau, for example, and having that be fully functional and sharing with all the other uh, uh, TV stations across the country. I like the, the tone of the culture they're creating. I, you know, something, it's hard to scale, man. The point I'm making here is that it's hard to bring these disparate communities together into sort of one big umbrella, which great media is doing fairly fairly effectively by, by not robbing sort of the local voice in the process. I do think the focus on digital is incredibly important. I spent the last part of my career in that area and uh, but you've still got a situation where people are still watching local TV they, they really are and they may, while the numbers may not be what they used to be they're still very strong and still valuable for advertisers and at the end of the day Brad advertisers are the yep. ones who are determining whether you're going to be successful or not hey we'll talk a little bit more about that I don't want to rob you from an opportunity to respond to that when we come back on the other side we'll continue our conversation with Brad Cassie from WLOX for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Celebrating the people who make coastal Mississippi a great place to live, work, and play. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by the South Mississippi Boat Show, Friday, April 29th through Sunday, May 1st. And by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. I'm having a terrific conversation with my old friend Brad Cassie from WLOX. And when we went to break, we were just talking about how this gray, gray um, uh, corporation that they're part of today, gray media, is uh, I, I think it's a move in the right direction. And, you know, I don't want to – I've made some other comments, Brad. I didn't want to move to the next subject without giving you an opportunity to respond to that. But the biggest thing for me uh, and for South Mississippi – is, is that Gray has such a strong presence across the region, uh, especially in those months between June and November when hurricane season is here. We've, we've got stations in Lake Charles and Baton Rouge and New Orleans and Hattiesburg in Mobile now, um, Savannah, Georgia, up the East Coast. And we all can share content. We can all share information. So as storms are approaching, uh, we we have the ability to to tap into so many other resources, and we we you know we had that with Raycom. Uh, we just expanded uh, when we became Gray, and it, it's so valuable uh, for us. And that means it's so valuable for the people who watch us because because they're getting that pertinent information. They're getting it from the people that they can trust, and and that's. You know- that's yeah. what matters the most. The other thing that's important about that, as I worked in a corporate role the, the latter part of my career, the opportunity to be part of a company like that that has locations all over the United States, the opportunity to learn from them. Oh, I mean, the, the best practices that emanate from that. And the, and the, it's a, there's a bit of competition inside the company, too. You, you, you want to... You want to be the best you can be. You want to be the best in the company. And, you know, maybe this is a good transition. I mean, to get Station of the Year by the Mississippi Association of Broadcasters, and I should point out, best newscast, best breaking weather coverage, best continuing coverage, best investigative reporting, best news anchor, best news reporter, best multimedia, best general news, best high school uh, football program to to do sort of a clean sweep so to speak <laughs> I and mean, i've been luckily been part of organizations that have done well in similar scenarios like this um you got to be you got to be focused on excellence and you know what's cool about what you've been able to do with, in such a short period of time you've had this massive turnover of people you know this, uh, retirements mostly retirements and these young people coming in and them sort of buying into the concept, buying into the vision of what you want WLOX to be relative to this community, it's got to be gratifying to see that transition pay off. The best part is, and I was telling this to somebody uh, yesterday, uh, that WLOX is a brand. It's a trusted brand. It's a brand that we've had uh, for 60 years. Uh, you know Dave Vincent. He was he was my boss. He he was news director for 28 years before I took over. Uh, I was always worried that the house of cards would come toppling down once I took over because of those retirements, and you know be, because the infrastructure was in place and, and we've made a couple of uh, pretty good hires along the way, and the people who we brought in bought into the idea that WLOX matters and we can help them become better. Uh, We've been able to carry on uh, what I call the tradition of excellence. And uh, I I am gratified. I mean, you know, you know me, I'm a perfectionist. I I hate every time we make a single mistake. Um, And, you know, I I, I tell everybody here, there's 50 people who work in the newsroom. And if we all make one mistake, we're all working, we all make one mistake a day, that's 50 mistakes. And you can't have 50 mistakes on a newscast. Um, And so we've got to strive for perfection. And we, we come close. 
Uh, and I'm really proud of that. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, when when we got those awards that you mentioned, it was it was extremely gratifying. It was the first time in a couple of years I didn't know what we had won going in because I had served on the board, so I had to sneak peek in previous years. Uh, this year, they didn't want me to get a sneak peek, so uh, I was as surprised as everybody else. And to see the people who won swell up with pride that night in front of their peers in Jackson uh, made it so rewarding for me, uh, and, and I know for them as well. So, okay, so what's the secret? How- you, when you when you're for so many years, you guys were loaded yeah. with long-term journalists who almost were in like auto mode. I mean, they were so good at what they did, and they just did what they did, and you know what I'm saying. And yep. so a string of them retire. Yep. And you have these young people who come along. How different is it today to to have to motivate and and inspire young journalists in this world that we're in today? How different is it? it, it it's night and day. Uh, it is so much harder today because, and, and I think you can appreciate this, uh, the journalists today may not be as invested, the young ones, as, as we were. Uh, we lived and breathed it. So if we worked eight or nine hours during the day, we went home and, and continued to work even though we weren't working and, and we watched uh, other work and we read and we were, we were well uh, verse coming into the office the next day and the day after and I don't think today's journalists are and it's not just here it's universally are yeah. as connected um, to beyond that eight hours that they're supposed to work so that's hard um, yeah. but but while they're here uh, if you're in their ear and you in and for us we're pre- presenting an environment uh, where we want them to succeed and not fail uh, and, and I remind them all that, that they, they and their families matter more than the job that they're doing. And I'm going to have their backs. Uh, I get more from them because of that. And, yeah. and, and I, think that's, I think that's critically important. Uh, yeah. and so, so we're able to make it work. We still have a couple of, of seasoned people. The Bill Snyders of the world are still here. And, yeah. and, that's, and that's huge. Because I, yes. can, I can rely on him as we're bringing this new breed in. Yeah, it is. I agree with you. It's not. It's not specific to there. It is. You know, I had I had multiple young people in my prior world, and it's a generational thing. I mean, they they're teaching their seminars today on this that they they're wanting more instant gratification. They want to have more balance between work and and whatever they do when they're not at work. It's just a reality of sort of the situation. But what what I found is, and what most of the research bears out is, that as they mature and they begin to really settle in and understand what role they can play in making the news better or making the community better that something some, some of them emerge you know leaders emerge among them and that's exciting to be able to see that isn't it yeah, absolutely and and so for us we we uh, we went through a, a brain drain so to speak back in the fall uh, I lost a reporter who went to Birmingham. Uh, a reporter who went to Cincinnati, a reporter who went to Louisville, um, a reporter who went to New Orleans. Uh, these are jumps that once upon a time, reporters didn't make. They, they, there was an interim stop before they went to a Cincinnati. Um, and so these are, are people who had been with us a couple of years, took a little time to get uh, their feet uh, entrenched in what they wanted to do. 
and then they took full advantage of the opportunities they had. I, I'm so proud. I, I didn't want to lose them. It's been a you know a pain in the you know what trying to fill their positions because nobody's applying right now. Uh, but uh, I am so thrilled that they are succeeding at the level they are, uh, and and I use that as as my selling pitch to people. I can get you wherever you want to go. Um, you just need to trust and mm-hmm. invest in us. So, you know, I always felt, you know, Zig Ziglar once said, if you help people get what they want in life, you'll get what you want in life. And I mean, focusing on giving people the developmental opportunities and understanding what their goals are. And in some cases, their goal is not to stay. That's fine. You can get two or three or four good years out of them as they develop, and they'll never forget the role that you played in helping them get to wherever they end up in their lives. They, they will not forget that. Hey, Brad, one of the things that I really want to compliment you on, I've uh, you know I've been a, a fish offshore my whole life. I've, I'm kind of an amateur meteorologist. I spend a lot of time focusing on that. I think a lot of p- people are, uh, particularly post, tropical. Excuse me. I've seen your Facebook post. Yeah. So, but what? What's? Uh, but I think that the 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 team you've assembled on the weather side is particularly good now. Yeah. I'm not saying that it wasn't good before, but you you've just got the cadre of group of, of of weather people you've gotten together today. They're articulate. They do really well in tough scenarios where a tornado may be on the ground at this moment, or or, or maybe imminent threat from a hurricane is going to happen. There's a fine line between not exacerbating the emergency response that people might make and making sure that they play it safe. There's a fine line there, and you guys have done a really good job with that and they could have left and they decided not to leave uh which which says something about about uh them as as people who are committed to south mississippi uh and it said something to their commitment to wlox uh i i think and and i i tell this to all my colleagues uh, in gray i've got the best collection of mets uh probably in the company and and I say that braggadocious because that's you know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be a cheerleader, um, but and I appreciate you complimenting them because you know between Carrie and Wesley and Eric and, and Taylor, uh, they've got my back and they've got your back. Well, they they need to have our back, and you know th- we're comparing them to, as you pointed out, you, 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 there are a lot, a lot of gray stations that are in imminent threats at times from hurricanes. So these guys uh, they're stacking up against some really good stations, and uh, it's very impressive. Hey, listen, when we come back, we can, we're going to continue the conversation with Brad Cassie from uh, WLOX. See you after this break. You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to the final segment of Coast View. I have Brad Cassie, who is the news director for WLOX and an old friend. And, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons I enjoy doing this show, Brad, is that we had this opportunity to kind of visit. We get a chance to look back. We get a chance to talk about the current situation. And we also get a chance to think about the future. And, um, you know, when I think about coastal Mississippi, as we've already discussed, the, the, the opportunities for us are incredible. 
But the role that journalism is going to play in that is really important. I mean, we have to hold people accountable because, as I said to you off the air, and I'll make part of an of a opening speech I have to do at the One Coast Awards, that there is a powerful lubricant, excuse me, a powerful gravity toward mediocrity. In other words, this, this notion of protecting the status quo when we're all trying to raise the bar. Journalism and the work that we do here on Coastview, the work that you do at WLX, it's an important component to dreaming bigger, isn't it? It, it is. Uh, you know, our responsibility is to ask the questions uh, and demand the answers. Uh, and, and these are, aren't just any questions. They're questions that, that impact the fabric uh, of how we're going to live. Uh, you know, we're, we are the eyes and the ears of the public. And, and I take that responsibility very seriously. And, that, and that's one of the things that, that we strive to push uh, and present to our staff every day. Uh, go out there and be a representative of the coast. Uh, can we be a cheerleader? Yeah, we're going to be cheerleaders at times. Uh, it's not our job. Uh, you know, we, we're going to ask tough questions sometimes and not be uh, aligned with, you know, a Billy Hughes, for instance, has, has admonished me on more than one occasion uh, because we are asking questions that may hurt economic development. But that's our job, and he understands yes. that. I get it. I get it complete. Well, you've got WSXV has developed their news operation. Mm -hmm. How do you view the notion of local TV news competition? I want them to be as successful as they can be. I want them to hit a home run every day. Uh, and I want that because it forces my people to be better. And, and you know, from the day XXV came on the air with this, uh, the second wave of, of journalists and, and newscasts, uh, I wanted them to be great. Uh, I, I, I'm comfortable that the WLOX is going to win the day because of who we are uh, and because of the quality that we put on the air. Uh, but at the same time, just like the competition between that I had uh, across the street with the Sun-Herald, uh, you can only get better if somebody is pushing you, and, yeah. and push has to come from uh, from our competition. Yeah, I, th I think that's a great answer. And I, I would only add this, that when you look at the total number of journalists that are in coastal Mississippi compared to where it might have been 10 or 15 years ago, yeah. there's not enough resources to go around. So the more the more journalists we have out there doing, our, doing the work, uh, the better off we are. And even though it is competitive, at the end of the day, we have a better community because there's more more coverage of the important issues. And that's really important. How did, how did you view Megan Gray's exodus? How did I view it? Uh, one of my closest friends uh, from from years gone by, uh, she made a decision once the company made its decision, uh, and I respect the decision that she had to make. Uh, it was not an easy decision, I, I will tell you, and I'm sure if you've talked with her, she's told you it, it took her until the 11th hour to finally make the determination that, that uh, she was going to leave. And that's why she didn't have a chance to really say goodbye to her WLOX viewers other than hinting. Um, it, it devastated me uh, on a very personal level uh, because uh, of my respect for her. Uh, you know, I, I'm pleased that she had a contract that had a, a, a non-compete in it for 12 months. And, and I, I'm pleased that, that we said that if XXV gave her the opportunity that she could go over there. Um, and and I'm glad that, that she's landed on her feet. Listen, uh, the best newscast that we submitted for um, 
entry this year was the newscast that um, that she anchored. Uh, I was not afraid to submit that, uh, and it won. And um, you know that's because she's a quality individual and, and she's a wonderful talent, and uh, we all miss her. Uh, we're glad she's succeeding, uh, but you know we're also happy with what we have here. You know that's a, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. I love the this whole notion of the of the non compete. And we most companies I was involved in, there was a non compete in place, and that's not a that's not a small decision to make because it could be precedent setting. It's important. It's an important decision. Um, the fact that you you know you know you, you guys care for her personally is important. But you know, hey, okay, so it happened. She moves on. She's landed well, and you know life goes on. What that does, just like the other reporters that you were talking about it creates opportunities for new people to emerge and uh, you guys you filled the seed and you're moving forward right we're moving forward and and we're moving forward in a way that uh, has has given us an opportunity to make some changes that we wanted to make uh loosen the newscast up just a little bit uh, give us a little more time for personality to appear in the morning. Uh, I thought we were a little stale uh, for a long time and we just never figured out uh, how to, to get the anchors a little more engaged. This uh, this opportunity came up and, and we took advantage of it. And, you know, I, I think Chet and, and Jamie are, are really starting to come together in a way that, that I had envisioned. And I'm excited about what the future brings for them. The viewers have, have not gone away from us. Uh, I'm happy to say, as I look at the numbers, and if, if anything, we, we've ticked up just a little bit. Uh, and you know, I, I change change is good at the end of the day. Yeah. Hey, listen, we're out of time, but Brad, it's been a great opportunity for me to catch up with you. Congratulations on all your success, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Ricky. I appreciate it. As I always end the show, have a great day. Enjoy the view and uh, work hard to, to uh, think bigger, dream bigger for yourself and for uh, Coastal Mississippi. That's what this show is all about. We'll see you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.